Coming up in this episode, we're going to tell you all about the books we've been reading recently, as well as some of what we've been watching. Welcome to episode 273 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Will Canals, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. This podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. If you'd like more information about the bonus content we offer, just go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Welcome back, Rainbow Romance readers. Another episode, another fantastic week jam-packed with holiday cheer it was we've got so much holiday going on in this episode it's kind of crazy so if you've been listening to the show for any length of time you know that jeff and i are very passionate about christmas movies and despite all the challenges that 2020 has given us there have been some hollywood producers who stepped up to the plate and decided that now is the perfect time for movies that feature diversity and inclusion and tons of holiday cheer I have really enjoyed being wrapped up in all of this holiday magic this season so far. First up, we want to talk about Hulu's Happiest Season. This is the lesbian Christmas movie starring Kristen Stewart, and she plays one part of a happy couple, Abby and Harper. In one night, overcome by the holiday spirit, Harper invites Abby to go home with her for Christmas. And it's on the drive there that Harper finally admits that she hasn't come out to her parents yet. And during their time back home, they're going to pretend that Abby is just her roommate. Wink, wink. And of course, misunderstandings and hilarity thus ensues. This movie reminded me a lot of some other holiday family comedy dramas, like Home for the Holidays or The Family Stone. Movies that explore how messy but wonderful family life can be around the holidays. I really enjoyed the extended cast in this movie. Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Recreation plays an ex in this movie, and she was such a delight. Daniel Levy, of course, from Schitt's Creek, was here as Kristen Stewart's best friend. He is an absolute delight, has one of my favorite speeches in this movie. And Victor Garber as the politician dad was also quite a treat. I'll call him bumbling, I think, for lack of a better word. He was a very interesting character in this movie. The Happiest Season has broken all previous streaming records on Hulu, due in no small part to the fact that this is actually a really wonderful movie, but also people are quite divided on who Abby should have ultimately ended up with. Should she have chosen Riley, played by Aubrey Plaza, who frankly walks away with every scene that she's in? Or did she make the wrong decision by sticking with Harper? who, from my point of view, isn't necessarily a bad person, but does some pretty terrible things throughout the course of the movie. So I was decidedly Team Riley by the end of the movie. What team did you find yourself on? I think I know, but I want to be sure. (laughs) While I definitely agree the chemistry between Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza is pretty spectacular, at the end of the day, I was satisfied with the ending that the movie gave us when Abby ended up choosing to stay with Harper. In my mind, I think it really came down to the talk that Dan Levy's character has with Abby, and they kind of explore the idea about when it might be the right time for Harper to come out. Just the way that the speech was written and the way that Dan Levy delivers it certainly gave me a little bit more empathy for Harper's character. So I think the ending makes sense from my perspective. Yeah, I could see that. I I was just into that chemistry that you talked about. I think one of the things that makes this movie so successful is that for anyone who watches this film, you're going to end up having a passionate opinion one way or the other. That is very true. Yes. 
Whether you're Team Harper or Team Riley, this movie has inspired a lot of online debate, all the while exploring the idea that Christmas with family isn't always the most fun thing, but when you're open and honest, they'll have your back. Another movie we recently watched is The Christmas House, which recently aired on the Hallmark Channel. And this story focuses on Mike, played by Robert Buckley. He's an actor who's found out that his show, Handsome Justice, has just been canceled. So he heads home for the holidays to spend some time with his family. His parents, played by Sharon Lawrence and Treat Williams, and his brother, played by Jonathan Bennett, and his husband. And once they've all gathered together, mom and dad sit the family down to announce that this will be the final year of their annual Christmas house tradition, because they'll be selling the family home. So the rest of the movie focuses on them making this the best Christmas house ever, not only for the family, but the rest of the neighborhood who come to visit and look at the decorations. All the while, Robert Buckley's character falls in love with the literal girl next door, and Jonathan Bennett and his husband eagerly wait for news about whether they'll become dads. I loved everything about this movie. I mean, it's wrapped up in all of the Hallmark goodness that I know and love, but to have uh, a gay couple so forward in the story was really awesome. And groundbreaking, frankly, for the Hallmark Channel. In the few instances where we've seen gay representation, it's been really shoved in the background, sometimes there but not stated outright. In this movie, Jonathan Bennett and his husband are right there the entire time. And in a lot of ways, while Hallmark Channel has a very distinct formula for how they do these movies, I felt like there were really almost three stories getting practically equal treatment alongside the romance uh, that Robert Buckley was having. The story with the parents, with Sharon Lawrence and Treat Williams, there's a lot going on there. And then there's, you know, what's going on as the two husbands move towards becoming fathers. This wasn't the romance forward, you know, that we're going to get on Lifetime and Paramount with some of these other movies and like we had with Happiest Season. But this was a big deal. And it was a really good movie, too, with... Some really great performances across the board. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one a lot. I also want to quickly congratulate Robert Buckley and Jonathan Bennett. They were an integral part of the story and screenplay. So congratulations on such a great movie. And additional congratulations should go out to Jonathan Bennett. If you've been paying attention to social media recently, there came news that Bennett's longtime boyfriend, James Vaughn, finally proposed. Oh, I missed that. How wonderful. Yeah, James wrote him a song, then got down on one knee. If you've seen the video from the surprise engagement, it's really sweet. So congratulations to the two of them. And we recommend that you check out The Christmas House and Happiest Season. One other movie I want to quickly mention from the Hallmark perspective is one called Christmas by Starlight. This is a typical save the diner kind of movie. The diner's going to get torn down. They need to save it. And this one also had some nice LGBTQ representation in it as well. The developer who's looking to potentially tear down the diner, his assistant is gay. And it's not just shoved over in the background for you to assume. There's actually discussion of the assistant's husband. The assistant's husband has on-screen time. And it's just another nudge where Hallmark is trying to expand its overall diversity, which is really great to see. So hopefully... We'll see perhaps in the 2021 Christmas season that they actually take the leap that some of the other networks have had to feature a gay couple in the main story. Taking a quick break from Christmas, I want to 
call out something that the American Ballet Theater premiered during Thanksgiving week. Longtime listeners of this show know that we love ABT and usually attend a show or two during their summer programming at the Metropolitan Opera in New York. Of course, that was canceled this year and has already been canceled for 2021. But ABT is still creating new work and bringing that forward on its YouTube channel for streaming. Among the works that they premiered in a show called ABT Today was one called Touche, which is choreographed by Christopher Rudd and features ABT principal dancer Calvin Royal III alongside Yao Minaguzi in a stunning pas de deux. And as Christopher explains in his intro to the piece, its mission was to normalize gay love in society with the idea that the normalization will take away some of the self-loathing that can come from being marginalized. I don't have the right vocabulary to explain exactly how amazing this piece was, and I think it became even more powerful because it was done on video, and it allowed the camera to really get up close and pull back and do some interesting things that perhaps just watching it on a large stage would not have done. The dance is really a gay romance spelled out across maybe 10 minutes. It goes from those moments of initial flirtation through some of the fear of maybe opening yourself up to somebody else and then on to full out embracing the love. I mean, it is so incredibly powerful and moving. I'm glad we saw it. I would really, as much as I think the video presentation captured it so well, I would really love to see it on stage live one day as well. This ABT Today program is available on American Ballet Theater's YouTube channel for a limited time. Unfortunately, there's not an indication of when that limited time ends. It is still there as we're recording this. So I encourage you to go seek this out as soon as possible. The link I will put in the show notes is going to take you directly to the beginning of Christopher Rudd's introduction. But the other three performances in this program are also very good, so I encourage you to infuse a little dance into your holiday time and enjoy the ABT Today program, and in particular, Touche, because it's really some groundbreaking ballet to watch. And now we can move over to some holiday books. You know, as much as we love our holiday movies, we do love a good holiday story as well. Yeah, the first book I want to talk about is Hearts Alight by Elliot Cooper. Now, our main character, Dave, isn't a Grinch per se, but he's certainly not feeling the magic of the season as he and his best friend, brother-in-law, Jake, fight through holiday shoppers to find ideal Hanukkah gifts. It seems Dave longs for simpler times when it was more about time spent with family and not the materialistic pursuit of the perfect present. At Jake's bar, Dave attempts to chat up bartender Amit who Davis had his eye on for quite a while. Dave enjoys attempting conversation with Mr. Tall, Dark, and Brooding, and any time he gets more than a one-word answer, he sees that as a definite win. But when Dave finds Amit in the back room doubled over and unable to catch his breath, it's clear that something is very wrong. Jake tells him to get some rest, and Dave joins Amit on his walk home. They make a stop at the nearby art studio where Dave teaches painting, and they talk as they paint some dreidels, which were handmade right there in the shop. Now, Emmett is a man of few words, but it's during this impromptu date that he tells Dave his secret. He's a golem, being made from clay and brought to life with magic to do the bidding of others. Now, now this isn't a spoiler. We know he's a golem because it says so right there in the blurb. And it turns out that Emmett isn't sick. It's his magic that is fading. 
But the meaningful touch of someone special, someone like Dave, helps to recharge him. And it also turns out that the glaze that they're using to paint with, when applied to Amit's fading tattoo with Dave's brushwork, also reinvigorates him. Their first real date is an evening of Chinese takeout and a game of D&D with Dave's online friends, capped off with a perfect goodnight kiss. Things continue to go well, even as the holiday increases Dave's stress levels. They spend the first night of Hanukkah at Dave's parents' house, where he officially introduces Amit as his boyfriend. They're welcomed with open arms, then eat and play games and open gifts. The eighth and final night happens to coincide with New Year's Eve. After watching the ball drop on TV, Dave and Amit sit on the porch together, dreaming of their future. Now, they don't have all the answers when it comes to relationships between a human and a supernatural entity, but they're in love, and whatever problems they encounter, they will happily face them together. Now, you all know I love sweet holiday stories. Like, I literally cannot get enough of them. And gay romances that center around the Jewish holidays are pretty rare. So when I encounter one, especially one this good, I like to shout it from the rooftops, letting everyone know that this story is definitely worth your time. Nice guys are my catnip, or reader kink if you'd prefer. Dave and Amit's first shy attempts at connection really warmed my heart. Hearts of Light is a super low angst, feel-good story filled with lots of heart, just like the title suggests, with just a hint of Jewish mysticism. And I think you'll be rooting for Dave and Amit just as much as I was. That sounds crazy sweet. You had me with so many aspects of that, that I may have to try to work that into my holiday reading season too. So one of my seasonal reads is from debut author Eve Morton and a book called Holidays in Blue. This is such a delightful and really thoughtful second chance romance about two guys who also need some second chances in their careers as well. Cosman is the host of a show that has been a mainstay of radio for years, but headed into the Christmas season, he gets the news that he's being canceled because the listeners just aren't there anymore. In a funk, he heads home to Toronto and to the childhood home, which he has basically not dealt with since his father passed away a few months back. Then there's Eric. He's a stumbling actor, and while he's trying to get a new gig going as an audiobook narrator, in the meantime, he's kind of relegated to cater-waiter jobs and just trying to make ends meet. He's also retreating to the safety of home for the holidays. Now, before they actually get home, Cosman and Eric meet up very briefly at a holiday party where Eric is, of course, on the catering staff. They grew up across the street from each other, and Eric has honestly had a bit of a crush on the older Cosman uh, since their teenage days. When they're back across the street from each other, it's kind of a bit of a surprise uh, to find each other there because Cosman and Eric both haven't been back here at the same time in years. Eric's parents are away until just before the holiday, and so it gives the guys time to reconnect, especially once an ice storm rolls in and shuts down the city, making it treacherous to even step outside. Eric gets hurt as he tries to precariously cross the street from one house to the other. And of course, this is a perfect opportunity for a little bit of forced proximity. And Eve gives our heroes some wonderful things to bond over as they're stuck inside, even though in this case, they're stuck right in the neighborhood. The way the ice storm is hit, everybody's just kind of, you know, hanging out in their houses. So they could even, they might as well be, a, you know, in a cabin in the woods somewhere for as much as they can actually talk to somebody else. And this take on forced proximity, too, 
I really enjoyed it because you've got these two guys who are having their second chance, so they've got some history. And part of it is history they didn't even know they had, uh, as Eric kind of talks about the crush that he had on teenage Cosman. And Cosman and Eric both talk about their failed relationships and job issues. And initially, they're just kind of two friends reconnecting, even with the discussion of the crush. But then as it keeps going, they discover that they've also maybe got a bond with each other as well. There's some great scenes of them making food together. They end up having to share a bed because the power failure that has come with the ice storm has kind of forced them into one bed to kind of, you know, huddle up for that warmth. And through all this, as Cosman kind of opens up about his family situation, it even sparks some ideas for the finale of his radio show, too, which just might be that gateway into the second act of his career. Eve takes us deep into both of these guys and what makes them tick. I really loved getting all the look at their pasts and their presence and how it all spun together to draw these two closer together and point the way to the next act for these two. That age gap was delightful as well, especially the way that Eric fondly remembered Cosman and, and how he made the younger man feel when they were teenagers. And that was even kind of the confidence boost in some ways that Cosman needed as well to remember that his failed relationships didn't make him who he was. I really adored how all this got woven around the holiday season too, which added just the right amount of magic for these two to come together and find they're happy. Yes, there is some angst in the goings on here, but it is so perfectly offset by the sweetness that permeates this story and the strength of the outcome in the, in the finale. The story that Cosman uncovers to use for his radio show is so wonderful and is really just a nice thread that runs through the entire story. Eve Morton's given us such a great first read, full of rich characters, and I can't wait to read future books from her and meet more of the people and scenarios that she's going to be bringing to the page. Another book that I recently enjoyed is Gifts for the Season, a Winter and Christmas MM charity anthology that is jam-packed with some wonderful stories by some really amazing authors. One of the stories I enjoyed was Single Dad Christmas by R.J. Scott. The main character, Austin, is the successful single dad of the title, and two years ago he hired a handsome and capable manny named Paul. But time is now up and young Paul is ready to travel the world. Can Austin finally ask Paul to be a permanent part of his rambunctious family? Maybe an eggnog-fueled kiss will work. Or a trip with the triplets to visit Santa will finally give these two the courage to confess their feelings and grant each other their one true Christmas wish. I really enjoyed how, with such a short story, R.J. Scott managed to really convey the time that these two characters have spent together. It's essentially a slow burn story with all the slow burn taken out. And essentially, we're just at the end point where our two heroes have to decide if they're going to take the leap to make it really work. It's really wonderful. I really liked Paul and Austin a lot. Another story I really enjoyed was Must Be Santa by Annabeth Albert. And this features Teddy and Nick from Annabeth's full-length Christmas novel, Better Not Pout, which I reviewed and really loved in the last podcast episode of 2018, which was number 169 to be exact. If you also happen to like audio, I also recommend that you check out the excellent narration of that book by Sean Christ. In this story, Must Be Santa finds our two heroes living out their happily ever after and expanding their family with two foster kids. And I probably don't need to tell you that parenting during the holidays is going to have its ups and downs. 
but by the time Christmas and New Year's Eve rolls around, they are all one big happy family. It's a really wonderful story, and I really enjoyed this holiday peek at two characters that I've grown to love. Five Gold Blings by Claire London is about flashy and fabulous Alec, who's trying to make a go of it as a fashion influencer. One day, he gets caught with his pants down, literally, by hunky delivery guy Gray, and they flirt as the packages keep arriving, and Alec even wrangles Gray into participating in a live fashion show for his online followers. Gray eventually encourages Alec to ditch the cut-rate clothes of his sponsor and show off his own creations, all while falling in love in the process. And this story perfectly combines the ridiculous comedic situations and the sweet and sexy romance, which as far as I'm concerned are the cornerstones of any Claire London story. And lastly, I want to mention 12 Days of UPS by Eli Easton, which is another story featuring a delivery man hero. This time it's Dan who brings a steady supply of packages to Paul, a writer who has a secret admirer that's sending daily gifts inspired by the 12 Days of Christmas. Paul enjoys his daily interactions with Big and Hunky Dan and finally gets the courage to ask him on a date on the back patio, sharing some wine and fancy cheese, which just happens to be the gift corresponding with the eight maids of milking. Eventually, they figure out who has been sending the gifts, but have fallen for each other in the process. Now, I'd like to say that never in a million years have I wanted to read a love in time of COVID story, but Eli Easton has managed to pull off something that is so sweet and so charming that she has made me a believer that romance can in fact happen in a year as fucked up as 2020. <laughs> Dan and Paul wear masks and practice responsible social distancing throughout the story. Paul's growing attraction to Dan, despite the fact that he doesn't even know what is underneath Dan's face mask, is an important part of what makes these characters so genuine and real and kind. And when they finally do kiss, after they firmly establish that there's no threat of possible transmission, it's very sweet and satisfying. And these are just a few of the stories in this amazing anthology, which also happens to feature A.E. by Lane Hayes, Joanna Chambers, Posey Roberts, Suki Fleet, Garrett Lee, Felice Stevens, Via Losi, <laughs> Annabelle Jacobs, Amber Kell, and Alex Jane. That is a jam-packed lineup. It's really amazing. It's also worth noting that all proceeds from the sale of this charity anthology go to the Trevor Project. A worthy cause and a lot of great stories. I highly recommend everyone check out Gifts for the Season. It's available for a limited time. So I'm going to jump us a little more forward in the season. Back over Valentine's Day, I had a nice little read with Erin McKellen's Candy Hearts, which was part of her Sew Over the Holidays series. Erin's back with a story, perfect for this season, and it's one that takes place over New Year's. In Party Favors, we have two women who have met online and struck up a fantastic friendship, and they decide to ring in the New Year together, which brings them a very happily ever after that neither of them could have predicted. Now, Amanda is tired of her life. Even though it is extremely privileged, she doesn't want to work for her family anymore. She doesn't want to do what's expected of her. She really wants to strike out on her own. And then there's Ren, uh, who is an impulsive free spirit who invites Amanda away for a, this getaway weekend to start off the new year. Amanda says yes. She's excited to finally meet Ren in real life. And frankly, she doesn't want to go to her parents' New Year's Eve ball with a date that her mom has set up and a gown that her mom has gotten specifically for the event for her. Amanda and Ren aren't really sure what to expect of each other. You know, spending so many days together, can their 
online relationship and banter translate to being in front of each other for a few days. And it doesn't start off all that well when Amanda falls into a swimming pool upon being greeted by Ren at the resort they're staying at. On the other hand, it's also a truly delightful beginning because it kind of breaks any ice that you may have had when somebody just takes a tumble into the pool. And boy, do things amp up even more for these two when the cabin that they're sharing, guess what? It only has one bed because of a screw up in the reservations. Now, they do decide to share, which gives the story the little faintest hint of some forced proximity alongside this online friends to lovers storyline. I really adored Amanda and Ren for the very first page of this, which was actually text messages running between them as they were kind of setting up going on this getaway trip. They're each itching for a change, with Amanda looking to break out of her mold, and Ren also is potentially wanting to settle down a little bit and kind of rein in her, air quotes around this, fun lifestyle. And who knew that a New Year's weekend could be perfect to help these two find their way? Now, They bonded initially online over vintage clothes. Amanda loves them and gets them wherever she can and incorporates them into her wardrobe, (laughs) very much to her parents' dismay. She actually wants to open up a vintage clothing store. And Ren, on the other hand, is a lingerie designer who is also very into vintage. In fact, the thing that brought them together was a tweet where Ren was asking if anybody happened to have a 1950s baby doll teddy pattern. Aaron does such a terrific job of having Amanda and Ren essentially rub off on each other. Ren shows Amanda really how to let loose and be more comfortable not living her life to please her parents, but to please herself and to get what she wants. Whereas Amanda won't let Ren totally lose that free spirit that Ren thinks makes her look flighty. It's actually an important part of who she is. She just needs maybe to adjust that a little bit or to be more accepting of what that means and and how it's perceived by others, which Amanda thinks is totally adorable. Aaron also makes these two jump off the page with such vivid emotion and description. Their inner monologues are so key to this story as they get lost in the excitement of the weekend, worry that they're making the wrong impressions, or even getting lost in the heat of passion. And, oh yes, this book is full of sexy times, with some light kink as well, similar to the tone that was found in Candy Hearts. Also, as in the previous book, the sex is so key to this plot because it really emotionally bonds these two women to each other, and it goes far beyond all the dates and the talking that they do with each other. Sometimes... The sexy times is as simple as streaking in the snow behind their cabin and then spending some time in the hot tub to recover from that. And sometimes it's really about taking chances, creating a deeper trust between these two. Now, beyond the sexy times, some of the heart-to-heart conversations these two have are just perfect. And bringing their online friendship into the real world and talking about those things that you might only do with your closest confidant. Some of their escapades, too, I have to tell you, they're kind of kooky. They crashed a conference that was happening at the resort, which was a a, a little bit pyramid scheme, a little bit cult, and their drinking during that was hilarious. One of the many parts of the book that I just laughed out loud because of the sheer fun of it. This is really the perfect holiday novella offering really tremendous characters. I mean, I would love to have Amanda and Ren as friends. (laughs) And speaking of friends, uh, it's worth noting that we actually met Ren back in Candy Hearts, and Benji and William, who were the main 
characters in Candy Hearts are here for the New Year's weekend as well. Now, of course, you don't need to have read Candy Hearts to appreciate this book, but it was really great to see Benji and William to see where they are almost a full year after their first meeting over Valentine's Day in the previous year. So I absolutely recommend Party Favors by Erin McKellen. I can't wait to see what holiday she tackles next because she has such a nice twist on holidays in this series of books. So cue this one up for maybe a little bit later in December as we get you know nearer the New Year's holiday. Yeah, considering how 2020 has gone, the New Year is definitely something to look forward to. Now, Jeff and I have just given you a whole boatload of recommendations. But never fret, if you're interested in learning more about the books or anything else that we've talked about on this week's show, all you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 273 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. All right, I think that'll do it for this episode. Coming up on Monday in episode 274, we're going to be joined by audiobook narrator Sean Crisden. I'm such a fan of Sean's work. Adriana Herrera's Dreamer series is so wonderful. You mentioned his work in Annabeth Albert's Better Not Pout. It was really wonderful to get to sit down and get to know him and get his origin story and learn more about his body of work. It was really a great time. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, please stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big A Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. If you want to find some more shows you'll love, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner. Thank you.